Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Testing Peers podcast, unless you're listening to this out of order, and I apologise, but you are welcome nonetheless. Tonight, I am joined by the usual crew. So say hello, Simon Pryor. Hello. David Maynard. Hello. Russell Cracksford. Hiya. And I'm Chris Armstrong. Tonight, we're going to be talking about staying connected as testers, keeping connected. But before we dive in. We're delighted that Saffron QA continue to sponsor us. Saffron QA is a specialist, that's a hard word to say, apparently, in testing recruitment, offering permanent contracts and newly developed retained recruitment service. More details can be found in the show notes, or please reach out to Ben Letitier directly to find out more. So, Russell, what you got? Mm -hmm. Well, your indication made me think networks. Don't know why. My, my brain leaps. And the networks made me think teams because one of the most common networks is the group and people you work around. So what I was thinking, Mr. Piers, is... Yeah, I don't know why I said Mr. Piers either. What I was thinking is teams. So what was the best team experience you can recall or share with us as a group? I'm curious. So it could be sporting. It could be work. It could be adventure. It could be... Anything teams related, really. I don't mean MS teams, just to be absolutely clear here. <laughs> it's removing the facetiousness from the group. I'm just looking at Chris. You know face your thinking, audience. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I'll start. I can remember way back when, when I was in year five in school. So I'd have been, what, about nine, ten? And we were playing in the uh, Cambridgeshire Small Schools League of Football. And I scored a last minute equaliser in the football to take us to penalties and as a team obviously as an individual I thought it was great but as a team we actually played really well we were like the smallest small school there were three boys in my year the fact that we were even able to compete and win anything was kind of pretty magical and the fact that we then made it to the penalty shootout and the semi-final was also really exciting I'd like to tell you that the penalty shootout was a success but that would be a dirty lie because I and several of my teammates did not even hit the target for the penalty shootout. But at the moment that we actually did that, it was it was the greatest achievement we'd ever had. I could have said other 11-a-side things, but I was thinking about the thing that was the most exciting. The first time I'd really been part of a successful sporting team. That was pretty exciting. For me, it was actually when I was a teacher and I used to look after D of E, so we used to go walking as part of the expedition. And I remember being in charge of one particular group and we were walking probably in the Peak Districts or something. It was a lovely summer's day. We were walking along the path and this particular group or team discovered an adder basking in the sunshine, which is beautiful to see. They then decided to consider putting the adder in a Pringles tin in order to then carry it with them. And it was my responsibility as the responsible adult to suggest that this wasn't a good idea. And uh, so we then left the adder basking in the sun. My story really is from my time when I was in the cadets as a teenager. And I was part of the Bedfordshire and Cambridgeshire wing team that went to Nijmegen and completed the 100-mile march through the streets of the Netherlands. And the reason it was probably one of the biggest, most rewarding team achievements is the the feeling of being in the team, marching through Holland with your um, British military flags and stuff around you, being recognised by all the locals cheering you on on the side of the streets. And then that final stretch of marching the final hundred meters up to the finish line of the the hundredth mile and 
all the royal royalty of the Netherlands and prime minister and stuff all standing there sort of applauding as you what it was quite an achievement to to be part of and then to be presented with your sort of military medals and stuff as well yeah so that was that was pretty special they're all pretty good yeah okay mine was a sporting one i guess mine was basketball so whilst i was at i think high school uh, i was part of a basketball team being a which you can't tell on the podcast i'm quite tall and Chris is nodding and vouching for my height. I was playing basketball from the school team and we had um, an exhibition match with the local school. So local rivalries between two schools. And we were playing at the Newcastle Arena. So big venue, big thing before a, a sort of professional basketball match. We were kind of the pre-match entertainment for want of a better phrase. It was probably my first big basketball match ever I played in as well. Playing in that was probably the best just because the build-up, the training the fun to go with it, the camaraderie that was there, the nail-bitingness because it went down to the wire. It was in the last quarter. There's two points in the game. And then we won it by one sort of thing. It was kind of that nail-biting kind of proper climactic sort of finish at the end where, you know, who's going to win it? Who's going to win it? And then we were triumphant. And that and brilliant success, that that kind of coming over this adversity. And we were really good. And after that, that team went on to kind of do really well in terms of, I think, we got to the like North of England finals and all sorts of different things because it built a great bond just trying to face off to our local advice, um, local rivals, if that makes sense. Yeah, that was great fun. Brilliant. So communication. Communication and connection. No and less. connection, yes. And testing. I think it's quite a, a big topic right now, obviously, with the state of what's been the staple of the testing community for the last many years with Twitter. I know, David Russell, you're not the most active on Twitter, but you still have a presence there. We exist, yep. We do. And um clearly changing as we talk at time of at time of discussion. Uh, I think the, the workforce has been halved. Services don't seem to be running as well as they were, but some of the community is still there. But it certainly has changed and a lot of people are deciding to move elsewhere. And there is that sudden panic of how do we keep that same vibe going? How do we have the same connections? How do we have the same discussions? Yeah. So so yeah, that's that's kind of what we thought we'd discuss further, right? Yeah, I think with anything with technology is that you have to move with the times. You know, we've, we've all lived through COVID where we all suddenly had to, you know, do remote and, and Zoom was never a, a real thing and we all adapted to it. And I think that actually it, Twitter scenario is people are being reactionary to it. You know, it, it, it's something that people can galvanise around in order to sort of react to it. And I think that things will change. People will splinter off potentially. And it depends on where the critical mass is, I think, to a certain extent, as to where the biggest people go. And at the moment, we're in a complete state of flux as people don't know where where it will actually settle. So I think it's a changing time. I don't necessarily think we can get away with the answer now. But I think, as with anything, think about when I was younger, you know, and the internet was thing, Friends Reunited was was a big thing. And, uh, you know, and, and that was that was the communication channel. And then other things move on. You know, the whole thing about technology is things change. Uh, yeah, as I said, things are in a state of flux. The problem we've got now is that there is just too many options. We're kind yes. of, we're flooded with options for, for ways to connect with people. You've got, if it's not just instant messaging apps like, you know, WhatsApp and Telegram and Signal and Viber and goodness knows what else. There's also the Instagrams, the Facebooks, the LinkedIn's, the Polyworks, the Snapchats, Mastodon. There's just, there's so many options that to find that one place where everyone is, is difficult because actually 
one of the conversations that's happened out of the Twitter stuff is how accessible some of these places are how easy is it to access things for people and find people because mm. whereas a lot of people have moved on to mastodon for example it's not so easy my goodness was i confused when i jumped on that place Agreed. and i still Me don't too. i still don't really know what i'm doing I, i'm with you on that i think i'm still whether it's just i haven't got the energy really to focus on it i'm reluctant to move off Twitter completely. I think there's still going to be a need to have a presence on there. I still think there's enough of a voice on there at the moment that it's worthwhile, not just from a testing community, but any other community I'm part of as well. I looked at Mastodon. I set up a Mastodon account searching for people. You can only search for people on the server that you're connected to. You have to have specific addresses to find people on other servers. You can't just search for someone's username or find their toots or whatever their messages are called. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things that if that becomes the platform of choice, we'll obviously all learn how to play to how to play and, and do it mm. properly. But at the moment, it feels like it's one step too far. And actually, I'm finding myself moving more back to LinkedIn, um, which I didn't think I'd say six months ago. Mm. And Slack. I might not always comment very often, but I, I always have our testing peer Slack open. And You're always watching us. I'm always watching, always reading. It's an interesting one. And I think there is that need to stay connected. There is that need to have the same voice around, you know, have those conversations within our bubble and challenge mm. each other, etc. It's worth trying to work out what it is even that we are looking for when we're talking about connection. Why are we trying to connect? What do we get from it? What's the value? What can we give? All those sorts of things. Because I think without that, just like in software development, without requirements, how are we going to find solutions? Like... And what what is it that we find useful from any kind of these connections in our community? Because we don't have to just talk about Twitter as a thing. It's just a place where we happen to, Simon and I at least, have been quite <laughs> busy. But what what is it that we look for in connections for our community? Why do we come back for those? Why do we stay connected? And what do we need? I guess there's many things we look for and different people look for different things, which is often why they go to different platforms because different platforms provide different avenues for different sort of information. For me, when I'm looking at kind of things, it's about connections and learning. It's about ideas, spreading them around and things like that. It's also about the connection. It's about hearing ideas from other people, not just YouTube talks. For example, I can Google YouTube talk and find what I'm looking for. It's the passive information that I get from other people out there ideas that float around rather than me finding the thing I'm looking for. It's the things I'm not looking for. It's learning the obtuse sort of things that you're not looking, know you're aware that you're looking for. But it's also making friends, making this sort of circle. And often because of that, you do end up in echo chambers a little bit, but that's kind of what I end up looking for is kind of just new ideas, new talks to listen to new things, just people that will share things that might be of interest, but I can control it ideally. I think for me, I'm very time poor. And so therefore I need to have a platform that can connect me, as Russell said, you know, with interesting articles or interesting, relevant information as easily and as accessibly as possible. I don't want to have to spend, I'm not a browser. I don't spend hours just trawling through looking for that nugget. I want that nugget to, to jump out at me. And so therefore I will surround myself with with sort of like-minded people um, that can give me that information quite quickly. Yeah, I, I, I get that as well. And I think for me, Twitter has certainly become more of not just learning, but also sort of offering help to others and supporting others as well. 
which I think we do within our own confined community on the Slack group. And I've never really got on with the wider Slack groups, the ones that have got tens of thousands of people in. There's just too much noise. It's difficult to sort of make any headway with any conversations, etc. But I've always found Twitter easier and others and LinkedIn the same to, to have those conversations and feel like you're supporting others and helping others. Um, at the same time, as you both said, learning as well. Mm. It's e- easier to do that that way because you don't know what you're going to find. You don't necessarily know what you're going to learn. You may set out just to browse and find an article on someone's posted on API testing or or a new form of automation or a new leadership style or a new this, that, and the other that you had no intention of, of searching for that topic, but it just piques your interest while you're doom scrolling. Browsing. Yeah, and you come across it, and and you read it, and 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 you learn something from it. I've made some great connections by reading articles, and then following up with the author and speaking to them more. It just opens up channels, avenues, doors, etc., to to learn and 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 meet new people. I'm gonna say I've found that LinkedIn is quite good at certain information that you can learn. So I, you kind of learn about what's going on in your sort of marketplace in terms of businesses opportunities jobs more often than certainly something like twitter but you also find about talks a lot more i see a lot more posted there than i do on twitter i find a lot more questions and answers people helping each other i find that more prevalent on different platforms the slack groups so different things do attract different things and that might be me as well so i'm very passive with twitter because then i watch it i don't really comment very often or add to it but i do kind of scroll i do see comments by other people and this is, again, different people can interact with these communications in these places differently. Sometimes you can take, sometimes you give. Podcast is another way in which we actually communicate and share information. We haven't mentioned that yet, but we listen to podcasts too. We don't just talk on one. We go to conferences. These are all communications and networking and other events that we do to help share and spread. Twitter is only one avenue, one place. Oh, Twitter was, maybe I should say, who knows? It's still there. And actually... We've got all the other forms. At time of recording. <laughs> We've got all those other social networks to thank for growing our audience for the podcast as well, because we do post and we've got relatively large numbers of followers on on both the main platforms that we, we share stuff on now. And that has helped us grow our podcast. But you're, you're right. It's, there are other podcasts that you can find out about. You, you listen to podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. So there is, there is lots of opportunities to learn more. I feel like I'm just sort of in a weird that weird period of mourning when you know something's going to happen but it hasn't yet happened like it could be like if you've been in a relationship and you know it's going to end but it hasn't ended yet and you're just feeling sad about that thing or if like someone's going to pass away and you know it's going to happen but it's not happened yet and you're feeling just sad about this thing that you kind of feel is inevitable and not because twitter specifically has been something that is a magical platform in itself. Any social networks have got algorithms that put things in front of you that they think you will find interesting. And they can often be echo chambers and reinforce cognitive biases and be quite dangerous. But what I guess you, as with anything, you become comfortable and accustomed and sometimes complacent with how things are today. And you think, great, sorted, no problem. I'm there now. I've achieved this thing. I've achieved however many followers and likes and all those lovely things to help boost my shallow ego. Gamification. But it's not just that. Like for, for me, the community stuff is the thing that I mourn isn't the posts that I have. It isn't the likes. It isn't the followers. It's those connections with people and the fear that I'm not going to be able to 
establish that same ability to connect with those same people in a different forum. Well, you've already explained that in using the other channel. The the comfortableness of Twitter and the ease of finding people is not yeah. as easy in another platform. It's not. And then there's that. But I mean, I saw a post by um, our friend Vernon Richards today. Obviously, you're going to discover now, listener, that we don't release on the day that we record. So I'm sorry for breaking that fourth wall. <laughs> Vernon's post <laughs> said that I'm sitting here marvelling at how I've used Twitter to make new friendships deep and existing ones all over the face of God's green earth. And it's quite a beautiful thing. And, and I get that. I've had some really deep conversations and interactions and, and given and received amazing feedback and support on that platform, more so than I have done on Facebook, where people have broadly been people I went to school with and things like that, <clears throat> or LinkedIn, where everyone's being just professional. You know, that's been my interpretation. But I feel like those connections and the feeling that the only way that can go is to disperse into several different places. And like you said, Simon, that fear of having to be in so many places that my brain can't connect with all these things. It is that mournfulness, even though I haven't yeah. lost anything. Yeah, you're right. And and there is that. I mean, just before I carry on, just to call out Vernon for the incredible job he's doing with all his posts he's putting up every day at the moment, his mini blogs or or what, what he's doing. For, ship, ship it 30 for 30 it's or something like that. Incredible reading. Every day there's something new to learn and or a nod my head to because I agree vehemently with what he's saying. So yeah, really, really great work with that. But what I was going to say is I think the thing that makes it harder and what the what the you, you talked about it that morning, for me it feels like that realisation, like at the end of a football season where there's going to be no football for six weeks and you realise, what am I going to do with my time? It's that kind of feeling I've got at the moment because I still think that Twitter's probably going to be there in some form and people will still exist on there longer term. It's just this initial spat of everyone's going, oh, it's changing, I'm going to move somewhere else. And then it'll all die down and everything will level out a bit. I feel, I may be wrong, but there is that feeling of, it's not so much the close connections like, you guys and the ones we talk to regularly because they'll find my way to talk to those people. It's how I meet new people or the occasional chat with people that I wouldn't necessarily have connected to, but I know of. I'm not going to go onto Mastodon and search out all these other people that are on random servers that I don't know the addresses of because they weren't part of that. So so you lose that that wider connection. You lose that ability to have a broader impact with things you say and, and things you learn and, and help, et cetera, et cetera. It feels, again, being very confined back to this is your small circle that you're going to have any contact with, that's it. And that's where the other platforms like LinkedIn come in because your posts pretty much go to the world when you post anything on LinkedIn. And as soon as someone else likes it, all of their It's a bit like reverse globalization. It is. Like the, when, it the, is. When, when there was a Concord and you could get to Los Angeles in four hours from London, all of a sudden <laughs> those things, like, you know, it, it's obviously bad for the world, so we shouldn't do it. But people feeling that the world's actually getting yeah. bigger and farther away again. And maybe that that It's changing, though. That's, the Mastodon thing, for example, is a distributed model versus kind of a centralised control. It's saying, actually, everyone can have control. And it's giving the power back. With that, as a consequence, which is finding things. And there's a choice to kind of be had. And sometimes there isn't the perfect solution. It's a compromise between different choices we have to make. And doesn't mean there isn't another solution that's going to come around the corner, but the best equivalent right now is this distribute master on system. Um, and with it comes some limitations. With Twitter is some limitations, the owner being the main one there. 
the platform itself is very similar to what it was before. There's a blue tick, not blue tick, gray tick, great, not great. You know, it's a yo-yo. Certainly it's <laughs> a good example of experimentation in production uh, and maybe how to do it in a more controlled way. And there's some voices that were banned that are suddenly back on there again, but maybe more. Well, there's a whole thing about like moderation mm. and and safe spaces. And actually that's, that's something that Mast- topic, isn't it? <laughs> but, but, but Mastodon actually in various servers has got codes of conduct per server and yeah, those sorts of things. But it's an open source things where collectively people sort of own that responsibility. Whereas Twitter historically had been known to be quite good if controversial in some people's eyes at blocking at you know shutting down certain spurious allegations and it's gonna... shutting off people for those things yeah there's been hit and miss isn't it really and always mm. is true with communications because what one person sees as controversial another one sees as free speech what someone says is hateful and someone else says is free speech and so on and so forth and you know where are the lines and i think the whole thing with twitter was should they be the ones that control it or not um, should it be completely free? And that's kind of the Mastodon rules. So Twitter is trying to move towards what kind of is almost there on the platform people are moving towards. It seems like I'm misunderstanding something or there's a contradiction. There's obviously terms of use, but the only the local server owner is the one that has to police them. The the group mm. has to police them, which is kind of if, if Twitter isn't policing them, that's kind of what's happening anyway it i think it speaks to that sort of like accessibility thing because people can just go could have just gone into twitter and started using it and and those things would have been there to sort of look after it whereas mastodon is kind of for the people by the people which is both good and not good depending on your context yeah but i guess trying trying to not explicitly talk about twitter too much it's hard it it is hard we 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 don't want to get in trouble do we but there's there, but there's also very many ways that we we do stay connected with people, both in person. There was the there's the is the testers hangout in its in its various derivations. There's 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 slacks, there's Ministry of Testing's community and other communities. Like where where can you go to connect with people? We've we mentioned conferences, but where where does where does that conversation continue? Where does that conversation start for those possibly few listeners that this is their only point of contact with the testing community where do they go to in order to connect with others i can talk from an example of having recently joined a new community not a testing community talking outside of community and that feeling of starting fresh and attending a conference that was not on a testing topic it was a coaching conference and suddenly meeting people there that wanted to talk more wanted to connect the conference has its own forum that is set up as part of the conference and people are talking quite frequently on there and it just feels like a whole new buzz with a community that's almost starting up but with the testing world i think it is going to be a case of it will be linkedin it will still be twitter to some extent because i'm still getting twitter followers now that are new testers that are joining the industry that want to want to learn more they're following you simon should we educate them? Uh, yeah, no, I know. They must have just been given my name by a list of long list of people. I'm joking, don't worry. <laughs> but nothing beats actually having that contact with someone in person or having that ability to have a video call with, with one individual rather than just that faceless comment post on a, on a on a social media site. So I would always encourage that anyone new to industries would try and find someone in the industry that you know, that you can learn from, that you can reach out to. It may be that you have to search for them via a social media channel first, but then actually make that contact. 
don't just stick behind the posts try and put a name to a face and and learn from someone individually that's the best way to start to feel part of a community and build up those connections one by one rather than doing it on mass scaling i would echo that and do befriend them on your favorite channel but actually then look at what who they are friends with or what groups they're associated with if you admire someone enough to to actually follow them or contact them on there then there may be other things that will enable you to to move forward and that that's always a good place to start there's a couple of other places we haven't really talked about so it's like local communities there's meetups there's it networks where i am there's something called dynamos things like that there's like local conferences that you can do as well smaller things there's forums there's testing forums ministry of testing have obviously got the club which is fantastic yep and they've got a comp- their accompanying slack instance there's a discord for the testers hangout there's various communities of practice that exist either within single organizations or cross like you know like you said meetups and 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 such there's other communities as well. There's Test Tribe. There's yeah. Synapse. Test Chat. They've either got Discords or they've got Telegrams or they've got Slacks. It really is about connecting with people and finding out where they where they hang out effectively and uh, joining in some form. But, you know, it can be overwhelming, especially, I mean, we started small. We're still mm. relatively small in our community. We, we've deliberately kept it that so that we don't feel overwhelmed trying to moderate large amounts of posts etc but we've also done it because we're building a community that we feel is the sort of within the ethos of the testing peers and that is what a lot of these communities are doing they're trying to build build and grow in the right way identity values belonging community all those good things and i guess the problem is it's very overwhelming for new folk to get involved it's very overwhelming for people that have been in the industry for a while (laughs) (laughs) it's never ending though i think we started this by saying there was it's an evolution, the communications and the different yeah. techniques, technologies, and so on. You know, you can sign up to Patreon and follow groups and get information and be part of a networking community from those sorts of things as well. There's so many different options out there. You know, we don't do TikTok, for example, but there are lots of different things that even we don't engage with that different groups could. That another generation of people coming up might find YouTube. I speak to a lot of people that tell me YouTube is how they kind of follow testing and learn mm-hmm. about it. It's not something I've done. No, I've never done that either. But you can create groups and share content pretty much by email groupings, simply as that. Chains, we've started off, I think, with WhatsApp. And then we moved on to different platforms to find things that work for us. It's often in that evolution of the right sort of tool for the right job. We found that actually we enjoyed talking as a group. We could do these as videos, to be quite honest. But we did it as a podcast. That's what we preferred to be our communication channel. And a lot of this is about finding first the connection and then finding a way to do that communication with that connection, that network. And it will vary. And the right tool is not always the same thing. And I've got networks at work. I've got friends I'll bounce ideas off that I'll call, some I'll message, some I'll meet in person for coffee. There's so many different varieties of it. And it's about trying not to exclude any, but using what works and learning from those experiences in the process. I think you're absolutely right. And I think it, you highlighted a good point there is that obviously we all have different learning styles and some are auditory, some are written and whatever. And it would be interesting to know if our communication channels or looking at those communities mirrors how we best learn or, or is it due to circumstances where you might be on a bus and so therefore you can't necessarily easily watch videos or whatever. Is it based on circumstances rather than the way we best learn? Yeah, I think the other key point that Russell made there, so it's two, two good points, Russell. 
the work situation. So your first, probably your first connections, your first community as such will be your team you're working with at work, depending on the situation you have. Um, that may be a mix of testers, developers, everyone else. But I've certainly experienced that loss of connection when I've moved from one job to another. And I've built up that really good rapport with a team of people. And suddenly I've moved on, they've stayed there. I then suddenly feel quite awkward, you know, getting back in touch and trying to arrange meeting up because we used to meet up during work time. And now I'm suggesting meeting up in a... And a... It, it took me a few years to talk to David after he left, <laughs> I'll be honest with you, when I worked with him. Same thing when people leave you. Well, the big question is, if we didn't start this podcast, would we be speaking again after uh, your brief stint working with me? <laughs> but anyway, the point is, you know, the connection can sometimes <laughs> feel very strange trying to keep that alive. And sometimes it is about starting those new connections and evolving. So it's like life is fluid. So are relationships are fluid. Yeah. I think the, the thing is, what is important to us is that sense of there is more than one testing community but there is broadly speaking a testing community and the values in that are we want to better our craft give it a better platform and improve ourselves and others and learn from other people give feedback receive feedback that's the beauty of community and we find pockets of that where we feel that we belong and i think the thing that terrifies me is feeling like i belong nowhere and relationships we're humans relationships are super important in any way shape or form that we have them with both friends and family and co-workers and colleagues and all those sorts of things if we don't if we we, we are human social animals by default we believe that our craft is one that's built on social interactions and advocacy for people and so we're sort of driven by those things and, I, and change is scary, change is terrifying, but change happens and you can't actually do anything about it. And someone told me when change was happening to me that you can be really upset about something that's happening that you can do nothing about, or you can try and apply that to find solutions, find opportunities and do those things. And in your head, that's totally logical. In your heart, maybe not. But that's why we support each other. That's why we share things. That's why we seek support and activity, accountability, and all, all those pieces. And, you know, we said testing peers aren't going to disappear from certain social networks at this moment in time. But at some point, our own mental bandwidths may mean that we cease to post <clears throat> for a year and a half like Instagram. Longer on Facebook. It, it, it could happen. And we need to be held accountable if we're doing things that aren't helpful. And we appreciate people reaching out, telling us stuff as well. You know, feedback. Maybe feedback is, is super important. And, and mm-hmm. we've got to go where people are. We have to exist where those things are because there's feedback and there's being relevant. I think nothing would hurt me more than us just telling the same old stories repetitively to the point where no one's going to, pay attention just think we're just those people who just repeat the same old things all the time you've not listened back to our podcast yeah i'm sure we've said the stories we mentioned (laughs) earlier i had something about something about context and something about culture and culture or something but who knows never said them before i think that's a fantastic end to this episode talking about being connected i think that 
we have mentioned all our regular channels uh, that people can connect with us. So that's LinkedIn, Twitter, mentioned Instagram right at the end, Facebook. Please do look for us, Testing Peers, on all those channels and get connected with us. You can also go on to patreon.com and help support us keeping this podcast going. And again, we thank Saffron QA for continuing to sponsor us to allow us to continue. So thank you for connecting with us. Thank you for a fantastic chat again for everybody. And we look forward to welcoming you back in a couple of weeks time. For now, it's goodbye from the testing peers. Goodbye. Goodbye.